Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Happy Christmas Eve. <laughs> yes. Indeed. I really like this, <clears throat> this remembering the coming, the first coming of the Lord uh, through the Advent candles. Well, I wasn't raised with this at all. I mean, you know, like candles and stuff. That was what I did with my grandma when I went to Texas and went to the Catholic Church and there was a bunch of candles. But that's, that's my introduction to candles. But with this, it gives us an opportunity to slow down and it gives us an opportunity to maybe concentrate on an aspect of the Lord each time. And so I'm really enjoying this. Thank you, uh, Teresa, because remember when I lit the first two candles and it took me like seven tries? I can't manipulate that thing. I would do better with a lighter, you know, or something or a match, but I couldn't do it. So I, I like to those who can do it. So anyway, if, if anybody else is like me, I just want to say really quickly what the four candles are. The first one is the hope candle, and it's also known as the prophecy candle. The second one um, this year for us is the peace candle. It's also known as the Bethlehem candle. The third one, uh, last week with Pastor Steve speaking on joy, it's the joy candle. It's also known as the shepherd's candle. Today we're doing uh, the love candle, which is also known as the angel's candle. And because it is Christmas Eve, um, we do have the Christ candle in the middle, so um, that's what that uh, represents. So uh, today we're going to be going through Luke two. We went through Luke two a little, uh, several scriptures about four weeks ago. We're just going to go frame by frame and and um, sit on it. Just take it a little slow. We're really familiar with Luke two. I think it's it's the scriptures that I use every year near Christmas time. <laughs> or at Christmas time. And so let's just take another look at it. I've, I've learned some more things that I think for me makes it just that more precious and that much more that I love the Lord because there seems to be so many more details than I even knew. And for me, sometimes um, love is expressed. I, I get, I receive it in acts of service or maybe affirming words or all. But in here, I see so many aspects of God's love. And, and like when we were singing, we are singing, love looks like this, you know, at the very, very beginning. And there was all those different pictures, word pictures. I'm hoping that maybe you'll have a few more pictures of love, his pure love um, today. So anyway, I just wanted, as a little bit of an intro, remember, uh, that Joseph and Mary had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was about 80 miles, and, and they were mostly on foot, except for Mary, you know, she got to ride the, <laughs> the donkey or whatever it was, you know, uh, uh, for, for a while. But it was 80 miles, so it was a significant trip. And um, this first thought, you know how sometimes you read through the scripture and you read it and like, yeah, 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 I know it, I know it, I know it. You read it so fast that that you don't even realize, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. This scripture says in Luke that while they were in Bethlehem, so so there's a really good chance that she wasn't traveling in her last four weeks of pregnancy, which as a mother, 
makes me very happy <laughs> that she she could have possibly been there because the edict, the census, remember Caesar Augustus had that census that he demanded everybody go back to their hometown so that they could uh, take a census, but really the bottom line of all this was it was just an efficient way to tax people. So that that's how that all ended up going. And um, so they, they worked their way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And we can see here that if you study a little bit more of the history and stuff, it doesn't sound too much unlike today, uh, that there was uh, people, they're already hungering for a savior, because they, they already had what they considered their political savior, but it wasn't working. And I'll talk a little bit about that more uh, later, but I just thought, wow, God, I feel like I'm just talking about current events, you know? Mm -hmm. So let's go to the first one, uh, 8, 9, and 10 of Luke 2. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. I'm, I don't know about you, why is it every time an angel shows up, people are terrified? You know? uh, I, I remember one time, an uh, incident a long, long time ago, where, I, don't get me wrong, I didn't see an angel, but I felt like there was one like in back, in back. And we were in this little home church, and we were meeting in a garage before we actually uh, got into a building. It was it was our first church, and um, and I felt that angelic presence so heavy. I didn't want to talk. I just wanted to like just stay bowed and just all I felt like saying was holy, holy, holy. But I figured I just better be quiet <laughs> because. <laughs> There, were, there was something very awestruck, maybe even terrifying, but at that moment it was just very awestruck. It just quieted me and all. And remember I have mentioned that these were, were, these were most likely Levite shepherds because it was in Bethlehem, and that's where the temple lambs were taken care of. Now these were temple lambs, and there's a whole lot more to that, but this is... These were shepherds that they weren't considered the dirty bottom of the rung people because they were taking care of the Levi or the lambs that would become sacrificial lambs. So here's these shepherds, they're guarding the lambs, the angel comes, and the radiance of the Lord surrounded them, and they were terrified. And I'm just so reminded of the contrast I mean, wasn't it just like two days ago was the darkest day of the year, the darkest night of the year? And um, it says here that they were, they were uh, in the field at night. And so I'm imagining that with this physical darkness and all, there was this contrast of this great, <laughs> this glorious light. And, um, and the, la the, the light arrives and... And I had studied a little bit more about the shepherds, and um, one commentator was saying that the shepherds were like the bad, what we would call the bad boys. They weren't necessarily the trusted ones and everything. And so I, I really like that for a whole lot of reasons, but I'll comment on that a bit later. So let's go on. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good tidings that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. 
and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now remember, the strips of cloth, most likely since it was, it was in Bethlehem, and it was the uh, Levite shepherds, and it was for the sacrificial lambs, most likely those strips of cloth were those uh, priest garments that were no longer used in the temple service, because that's what they did even with the lambs. They, they wrapped the lambs' uh, legs to protect them from being bruised, injured, or harmed. And these were lambs. And um, I wasn't raised like on the farm or anything, and I know some of, some of you were. But I don't know, this time it really got to me. It really got to me, I'm thinking, they so cared by the instruction of the Lord, of course, to, to wrap those lambs uh, Legs, and then here you see that Jesus is being wrapped in these uh, strips of cloth. It just it just touched me about the love of God and how I don't know how you are, but I am a pet person, although I work too much, so I don't have pets right now. But you know, if someone messes with my dog, or if someone messes with my cat, they they would be in big big trouble. And, and vice versa, if they treat my animals well, they're good with me, right? They're, real, they're, they're good with me. And I know that's just a real simple illustration, but it really touched me on another level. It really spoke to my heart about the deep love that the Lord has for us, and he's illustrated it in so many ways. And it reminded me of this scripture in Isaiah 42.3. I don't have it on the um, overhead because it just came to me early this early this morning. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. Sorry, that's King James. But um, basically, he's saying that if you're, if you're bruised, you know, a lot of times when you're bruised, it's not seen on the outside. You can't see it, you know. And, uh, but you can see a smoking flax, because that means an untrimmed wick, and so, you know, how that goes. So, but... Again, the contrast. You might be bruised, you might be depressed, you might be a lot of things, or you might even feel like <coughs> the light's almost ready to go out. But the Lord is so filled with love and he is so uh, wanting to strengthen our hearts today. A lot of us need that our hearts strengthened today. That he will not, he will not, he will not break a bruised reed. He will not uh, quench or put out a light that's flickering. That is how much that he loves us. Amen. Verse 13 and 14. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Again, the contrast, it starts out with that single angel. It ends with the host um, of angels, which in some other translations say a band of angels. So there was like a substantial amount of them. So there was great glory, but then it's in this really, really humble place. I mean, humble. 
And it also speaks to me of the, the uh, Father's great love for us that he puts his glory and his presence in people like us. We're humble. We're humble people. And yet he allows and he even trusts us with his presence and his glory. I don't know about you, but that just, that again, again just checks the 752 box of how many ways <coughs> God can love us, right? <clears throat> Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. What I think is really interesting about these bad boys is that something, 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 or someone, or some presence so touched them that they had an immediate response to go see. I mean, even puts, I, it, I even think to myself, oh, wow, I, sh I should be like that, you know. Um, they, they, didn't, they didn't call for a committee. They didn't wait to the monthly council meeting. They went immediately. Their response was immediate, and they considered it to be urgent. Verse 17 and 18. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone, what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Again, the shepherds like being the bad boys. I remember like in the, it was either late 60s or early 70s when I was in Southern Cal, and there was such a strong, uh, active, uh, vibrant uh, Jesus movement, and all so many uh, men that were in like gangs. I don't like real gangs, not the I wannabes that I, I knew of here locally, <laughs> but the real gangs and stuff. That they actually had an encounter with God, and some of them immediately uh, were sober of drugs. And I, I remember that even in the time when I was. Uh, a night and weekend supervisor for a girls' uh, program that was like Teen Challenge. We would cross-refer in the olden days. Our program uh, had ladies, and their program only had men, so we would cross-refer and stuff. But we saw so many miracles, and we saw these really tough, hard, hard people that had had a hard life and needed, to, needed that hardness to keep them sane, you know, they had a genuine encounter with the Lord, and they were they were never the same. They were never the same. It wasn't just something to praise somebody on a stage that had a testimony, but they really, really walked it out. And I've just been thinking about this, that it's like, it's, it's the learned. It's all the ones that got to go to the best schools or whatever, and it's the unlearned, the ones that got to learn in the streets. You know, you have the poor, you have the rich, you have the Jew, you have the Gentile. You know, it just seems like today it's a it's an exercise in contrast, and that God works through all kinds of people like us, 
in all kinds of events to fulfill his plan. I mean, Mary had to get to Bethlehem, but what did God do? He used, he used a political person to call a census so that they would get there. He will use whatever it takes and whatever kind of people to get us to where we're going. There's so many times people um, say to me, how do I know that I'm in God's will? What if I miss it, you know? And, and I like this example that somebody gave me. Um, I don't remember which one, but I believe that it was a youth pastor because I was like, I was that one. I was the one that probably they go, oh no, here she comes again. Every Sunday I would be coming up there. How do I know if I'm really saved? You know, kind of thing. Because I, you know, I had a bad thought or something. I thought it was so evil, you know, and all. And and they were they were saying, Francis, uh, look at it this way. God has big feet. So imagine him. And here you are. You might be in one of his steps, but his step's so large that even no matter what you do, you're still in his step. And then you go to the next one, and even if you might have this times of, you know, wandering or whatever, not exactly wandering, but, you know, you know, right, left, backwards, forwards, go forward three, back two, you know, kind, kind of thing. He said, just, just keep your eyes on the Lord, just keep your heart open, don't, don't get hard, don't be tempted for it to get hard, don't be tempted to have your love get cold, you know, close that door and open your heart to, to um, the, the warm love and presence of God, and I've never forgotten that, it's, re it's really helped me, and thank God now, every Sunday, I don't wonder if I'm saved or not, um, that ship has already sailed, but I just thank the Lord for his goodness, I thank the Lord for all that he's done in my life. I did forget to uh, read around the time uh, we were talking about the glory to God in the highest when the angels were singing. I don't generally quote pagans, pagan writers, but I it, this uh, this came up in a commentary saying that a first century pagan writer ex expressed this, and I thought it was it was quite discerning of the person. While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, which is what they ended up calling Caesar Augustus, because he kind of thought he was God after a while, <clears throat> like a lot of uh, the political leaders do. Um, so while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns for more than even an outward peace. Um, his name is starts with epic, and then it's T-E-T-U-S, so I can't say all that. But I just thought that was even something that, again, that the Lord will use whatever he has, and, and that might have planted a seed in the people and that, that community so that they could be uh, more open to hearing what the Lord uh, would reveal through his uh, angels and his bad boys and his good boys and uh, the baby as well. And then finally with verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So Father God, we just thank you. We just thank you. We thank you that you came in, into a really undignified world 
in an undignified body compared to the body that you had. Thank you that you came so that we could have, uh, like Teresa said, that we could just have that unbroken relationship with you. And so, Father God, I just pray today that even more than ever, that one, that we would receive your love in its fullness. And then number two, that out of that fullness and out of that overflow, that we will be able to to love others with, with your love, God, for those we like and for those we don't like so much, that we would just make a quality choice and be intentional and show your love today. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.